630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Early in the second period, the Jets leading the Blues 1-0. Islanders up 2-1 on the Penguins with nine minutes left in the second period. Early in the third, the Lightning with a 3-1 edge on the Blue Jackets. Still to come tonight, Dallas at Nashville, Golden Knights and Sharks as the playoffs get underway. Western Hockey League tonight just getting underway in Calgary. The Oil Kings and the Hitmen, the Oil Kings going for the sweep. Prince Albert is in Saskatoon. The Raiders have a 2-1 series lead in that one. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chet. Speaking of the Eskimos... Calvin McCarty will join us in about a half hour. It'll be good to catch up with Calvin. He's part of a group of Eskimos touring around the province a little bit. All right, so the other three series in the NHL will start tomorrow. The Maple Leafs and the Bruins, the Hurricanes will play the Capitals, and the Calgary Flames will be home to the Colorado Avalanche. Pat Steinberg is the host of Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Pat, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? It is an honor and a privilege to hear your voice, Mr. Wilkins. How are you, buddy? I can hear it in your tone that that is completely sincere. I would never be anything but sincere with you. You're like truth serum. (laughs) That is amazing. All right. I'm going to start with you uh, with a question I thought of in the last 40 seconds. Okay. Assuming you one day win the Masters Golf Tournament giving you the most important privilege in the world, and that is the year after you win, to pick the menu for the champion's dinner, what would your menu be? I'll kill time so you can think about it by reading what Patrick Reed served last night. You had a choice of Caesar salad or wedge salad. Then you had the prime bone-in cowboy ribeye, though you could get fish upon request. The sides included macaroni and cheese, creamed spinach, corn creme brulee, and steamed broccoli. Uh, and then there was uh, a tiramisu for dessert. Well, I would probably start with uh, some sort of green salad, like a, a nice mixed salad with uh, a good vinaigrette. Um, I would fin- I would then have a surf and turf. I'd have like salmon sashimi, um, grilled shrimp, and then a 16-ounce New York strip. <laughs> And for dessert would be a, a chocolate cake of some sort. Would be a, that would be my menu. But we definitely have to have the sashimi and the steak uh, to really make it uh, worthy of a Masters champion. And you would. And if if anybody didn't finish their meal, they couldn't golf the next in the tournament. They'd, oh, correct. They'd you had be to finish all sixteen ounces yep. of the New York Strip, and there would be no. There would be no fish or vegetarian option. You'd have to go somewhere else. Well, you'd have the you'd have the salmon sashimi and the shrimp. You said, yeah, but you couldn't substitute the beef for more fish. No, no, <laughs> definitely not. I feel like you've thought about that before. Wow, I mean, if you don't know what your Masters champion dinner is going to be like, then you're not prepared for life. That's a good point. They say preparation is a big part of success. So assuming you one day win the Masters, there's one thing you're not going to have to worry about at the time. You've already taken yeah. care of it. Uh, who's, your, who's your pick in the tournament, by the way? I'm going with, uh, I'm going with Dustin Johnson. Uh, I'm going to go. I, I just filled out my Masters pool. Um, I went Justin Rose as my winner. Um, so I've got Rose as my guy. Um, I, but it's, it's hard because... I always, in this tournament, with with the way that we all know that specialists can win this tournament, right? And you don't have to be the best golfer on the tour 
to win the Masters. It's happened time and time again. So Justin Rose is my pick, but when I was filling out my boxes, my, my second pick was, was uh, Bubba Watson. Just because Bubba's a, an Augusta specialist. He's a lefty. He's won it twice before. Uh, you don't, you've got a little bit more forgiving fairways at Augusta, so it's not as much of a worry that you're not straight on like uh, yep. some guys are. So I've always got a soft spot for Bubba and would not be – I mean, we know there's, there's, what, an 80% chance that day one or day two he'll be near the top of the leaderboard. So uh, I'm going with Justin Rose as my pick with an honorable mention for Bubba Watson. Well, and speaking of first two days of the leaderboard, Fred Couples. Isn't it amazing? Like – Every year, Fred Couples makes the cut, top 10 going into the weekend. And then, I mean, he's just not good enough to, to keep going anymore. But that's another guy. If you just had a pool for first two rounds of the Masters, I would recommend Fred Couples. Anyway, that's a bit of a side story. Uh, you got a little hockey series to host starting tomorrow. I'm going to jump right in. I got a text here from one of my loyal listeners, the Big L, who, by the way, is one of the funniest guys on the text line. I think he's being serious here, though, Pat, because he's okay. talking about the potential to win money. Hey, Reed, can you ask Pat who is the main goalie for Calgary? I picked Smith in my pool, but I'm worried that Riddick will end up playing. Well, it's a good question. And Big L, if I had a definitive answer for you, I uh, I would probably be employed doing something else because that's been the biggest story all year long. I can tell you this much. Mike Smith is going to start tomorrow in game number one. Now, that's not been made official, but... I can I can confirm that Mike Smith is going to be the game one starter for the Flames. The question is, is he going to be the starter throughout all of Calgary's playoff run? And that's what I think everybody's question is right now. Mike Smith has, has had a very interesting season. He was not very good through October and November at all. In fact, he was downright dreadful at times, and I was very uncertain as to whether this guy would ever resemble an NHL goaltender again and a goalie that you can count on. I give the guy a lot of credit. He battled through it. He gradually got better from being uh, just not good at all. Through October and November, he started to climb his way up. He was a little bit better and a little bit better. Then after the nine-day break the Flames had and every other team had, uh, he came back to begin February and was a much better goaltender. It, It sure does feel like he used that break to reset mentally and You've seen the dividends, and since that, he's about, like, again, we're not talking about the elite numbers, but he's about a 9-12 since the break. So from February well, 1st good. to where we are right now, it, it's better than it was. When we're talking about 8-86 before that, you'll take the 9-12. So he's been better. The thing is, David Riddick's body of work is the steadier of the two from start to finish over 82 games. He's been the better goaltender this year, but there's a couple of things as to why the Flames want Mike Smith to be the guy and why they're going to have him be the guy. He did He did even the playing field with Riddick in the final two months of the season, so it's not as if he was being grossly outplayed. That's number one. Number two, he is just, he's got more experience. He's played playoff games right. before. It's been a long time, like it was seven years ago, that he went to the Western Conference Final with the Phoenix Coyotes and, and got swept by L.A., but he's still been on a deep playoff run before. And it's funny, maybe one of the most polarizing topics all year long, Reed, has been goaltending in this city. Like it, has been, like, it has been vitriolic. People either love Mike Smith or love David Riddick, and if you think the other guy is good, then apparently uh, you, you need to be exiled from the country. It's bizarre. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, and the most and they both, they're, they're, the team's winning. 
They have 50 wins this year. It's the best best season they've had in 30 years. It's incredible. So then the the most polarizing topic on top of which goalie you like is, do you like if Mike Smith handles the puck? And there are some, like, there are some who will find evidence that suggests that Mike Smith handling the puck will be the only reason that the Calgary Flames win the Stanley Cup. And there are some who will suggest that Mike Smith handling the puck as aggressively as he does will be the sole reason why the Flames are swept in three games by the Colorado Avalanche. Again, it's bizarre. <laughs> in so, three. Yeah. But the, exactly. That's how, that's Smith how will score on his own net so many that, times, the league will just give Colorado the series in three. <laughs> precisely. But here's the Flames. The Flames love the way he handles the puck. And whether, whether fans are on board or not with that, the Flames believe that the way Mike Smith handles the puck and what he does feeds their game and plays into the fast break, high pace game they want to play. They've got underlying metrics that they're not going to show us, but they've got internal metrics that suggest that they are a significantly better team when Mike Smith is stopping the puck well and you can add that puck handling element to it. So that's why Smith is going to be the game one starter. I believe that they are invested in having Smith be the guy they want him to be dialed in. But if Smith struggles, I don't think the leash is going to be very long, and they'll go to David Riddick quickly. I th- this seems to be the series, and it seems like most are on board with this uh, this sentiment. This seems to be the series that people believe not only will the Flames use two goalies, but the Avalanche might use two goalies. Remember, Colorado's oh, yeah. riding Philip Grubauer, who's been out of his tree of late. But Grubauer started the playoffs last year and got yanked for Braden Holtby. So Semyon Varlamov is the incumbent there. And he has been outplayed by Grubauer down the stretch. But if Grubauer falters, I don't think uh, Jared Bednar and the Avalanche are going to be all that hesitant to put him in, uh, put Varlamov in. So, yeah, to the question, do I know who definitively is going to be the number one goalie throughout the playoffs of the Flames? I don't. I know that Mike Smith is going to start. I can confirm that in game number one. And the best bet for the Flames would be if they go on a long run and Mike Smith never loses his net. But uh, I'm not 100% confident that's going to happen. All right, Pat Steinberg joining us, the host of Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. I'm going to throw this one at you. I mean, we, we talk a lot throughout the season on each other's shows and, and, and staying in touch and talking about hockey. And I thought the Flames were going to be very good. I did not think that they would be 50-win good at, at the beginning of the year. When did it start to click in your mind that you were like, oh, man, I think they are 47, 48, maybe even 50-win good? Or maybe, well, you believe, think- maybe, you believed it all, maybe you believed it in the preseason. I did not believe it in the preseason. Look, I, I came into the season feeling like the Flames are going to be a playoff team. Um, I felt that they were going to be in the mix with a number of teams, and I felt like if they missed the playoffs, it would be a failure. However, I did not expect them to win the Western Conference. I did not expect them to have 107 points, and I did not expect them to set the you know be number two all-time in franchise history in points and wins in a single season. Didn't expect that at all. When I first kind of think when it would have clicked in for me that holy cow, this team is pretty good. You know what it is for me? Probably the the time that it clicked for me was when the top line went dry and Johnny Gaudreau, Elias Lindholm, and Sean Monaghan, not only did they stop scoring at the regularity they were through October, November, and December, but they actually started playing pretty poor hockey. Like They weren't very good compared to what they're capable of. 
and yet they were still winning hockey games. All of a sudden, this line of uh, Derek Ryan, a former U of A Golden Bear, uh, along with Andrew Mangiapane, a sixth-round pick of the Flames, and Garnet Hathaway, uh, a guy they invited to development camp and brought to the Penticton Young Stars Classic a number of years ago. Those guys all of a sudden turned into this really effective bottom six line that was just straight-up crushing other teams' third and fourth lines. And Michael Backlund, uh, Matthew Kachuk, and Michael Furlick were put back together. They were not all they were not together throughout the first half of the season all the time. They were very sparingly together. Bill Peters kind of felt like, you know what, Michael Froelich's best fit is with these guys, and they reunited that line, which is one of the top elite checking lines and shutdown lines in the NHL. So all of a sudden they were winning games thanks to the Backlund line and the Ryan line, and they, the Ryan line rather, and they weren't they weren't relying on Gaudreau and Lindholm and Monaghan and their power play to win games. That's when I realized that this group might be pretty darn good. This this group might be more than just a flash in the pan, and this group might be more than just a high-flying, we can beat you 9-6 and, and outscore you if we need to. This is a pretty good hockey team. They've got a deep group of forwards. Uh, they've got a, a top-six defense that I would say is, you know, top five or six in the NHL in terms of their depth. Mark Giordano is having a Norris Trophy-caliber season. So it was sometimes, so I want to say, Sometime in February is when I really couldn't. It's not like I didn't think they were good before, but that's when I was like, holy, these guys are more than just a team that can score and put together high-end offense. This is a group that can This is a group that can beat in a lot of different ways, and obviously that's what you need in the playoffs. The big question now is can their big guns, Gaudreau, Kachuk, Monaghan, Lindholm, can those four forwards get the job done in the playoffs? And can they raise their game the way that you need to come the postseason? Because as good as Calgary's depth lines are, they're not going to win a Stanley Cup and they're not going to go on a super deep run if they're not getting performances that are near the top of the ledger from those guys. And if they're not being led by their top forwards, then they're just not going to go deep. So that's the biggest question down here. And I'm fascinated to see how it plays out. Okay, quick, quick one to wrap it up. What worries you most about the Avalanche? Uh, in terms of how they might beat the Flames? Yeah. Um, I mean, it comes down to two things, the way Grubauer is playing. Grubauer is a 9.52 goalie down the stretch. He went 8-2-2 two two from March 1st until the end of the season and 9.52 save percentage. If he plays anything close to that, he gives the Avalanche a chance. He can steal games single-handedly, and he did so numerous times as Colorado went 8-1-2 and two to clinch a playoff spot in the final 11 games. And then... With Miko Rantanen coming back, he'll be ready for game number one. That that high-end line of McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog, they can beat you single-handedly. And the scary thing is, McKinnon, I think, really took a step in last year's postseason against the Nashville Predators. And I don't think McKinnon's going to be worried by the spotlight or anything like that. So that top line, and specifically how McKinnon can beat you single-handedly, it's him and it's Grubauer. Those are the things that worry me from an avalanche standpoint. And the pizza delivery guy has texted in. He says, Reed, my master's dinner would be a massive order of Domino's pizza and chicken wings with lava crunch cakes for dessert. That would go perfectly at Augusta. I feel like he's biased. (laughs) Pat, thank you for your insight. Enjoy the postseason. Bye, Reed. It's good to hear from you. That is Pat Steinberg, the host of Flames Hockey on Sports at 960 in Calgary. I do think the Flames will win that series. I do think their goaltending will be fine. In fact, uh, I will stick with my pick of Calgary uh, winning the Western Conference but losing to Tampa Bay in the Stanley Cup Final. Jets still up one nothing on the Blues. 11 minutes left in the second period. It's 7:21 Inside Sports on Chet.
was giving a, a guy on the text line a hard time about his distaste for Tiger Woods. He said, my beef with Woods has always been his behavior, not his golf talent. I love the show. I hate Tiger. Go Flames, go. Hey, that's fair. That had a nice ending. I'm glad. That had a nice happy ending for everybody. Nothing like a happy ending. This texture says, I think people need to wake up that Vegas hasn't changed much and are on the dance floor. My reply, I refuse to wake up. Robert says, above all, the Flames are a team. During the drought the first line had, Johnny G kept saying, it's good we are getting our looks and we are all good friends. When was the last time an Oilers player said something like that? Go Jets. That is from Robert. Uh, you know, that, that, that's, to me, that's, a, that's an interesting topic. Are, do teams win because they're tight-knit or do they feel tight-knit because they're winning? I, I think it's for every group, different for every group of players. It's the old chicken and the egg, eh? Yeah, I mean, what, I always go back to this. I've, I've said this several times on the show. What was the year the Blue Jays uh, went on that big run starting August 1st? Was it in 15? I think it was 2015. And, you know, won 70% of their games down the stretch, made the playoffs. And I had Buck Martinez on, their their color commentator, late in the season. And he, he and I said, you know, they're just talking about how confident they are and they're winning all these games. And he goes, well, that's the age-old mystery, isn't it? What comes first, the winning or the confidence? I mean, it's it's to me, it's easy if you're winning to sit there and say, yeah, well, we all like each other or we all feel good together. I, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, does does camaraderie help? Sure, but I, I don't think it's everything. And and there have been examples of teammates or players or you know didn't get along that well or maybe after their careers they said ah you know wasn't on board with that guy but I, he sure could play so that, that that is a bit of an interesting debate but i i think you know the teams that win are always going to say like well we love going to the rink and we, we love being together well yeah because you thought you were going to win so so of course of course you felt good anyway interesting little debate we'll update the playoff scores when we get back hey calvin mccarty's going to be on the show from here to eskimos <laughs> and he plays it up to Anderson. Here comes a short-handed chance, maybe. Anderson in. He takes a shot, and he scores! Who can score a short-handed goal? The Andy Man can! And this game is tied at three! And since then, the Columbus Blue Jackets have gone ahead of the Tampa Bay Lightning. 4-3, three minutes left in the third period. The Lightning all over Columbus in the first period, up 3-zip after 20. The Blue Jackets have battled back, and they have the lead on the verge of stealing Game 1. Penguins and Islanders, 2-2 after 2. And the Jets lead the Blues 1-0 late in the second period. Stars and Predators about to get underway. Golden Knights and Sharks face off in an hour. The Edmonton Oil Kings going for the sweep in Calgary. They have a 1-0 lead with three minutes left in the third period. Prince Albert leads Saskatoon 1-0 with six minutes left in the first. PA leads that series two games to one. Southside Rob texting in. He says, with the Oilers, Habs, Senators, Canucks out of the playoffs, I hope that a Canadian NHL team gets to the Stanley Cup Finals and who knows, maybe even wins. It'd be the first time in 26 years. Ouch. Go Flames, go Jets. 
but maybe not go Leafs. Hopefully the Oilers get their chance next season. Enjoy the playoffs and the Masters. By the way, I'm cheering for Ricky Fowler or Tommy Fleetwood to win their first green jacket. That is from Southside Rob to 630-630. Good stuff there from Rob. Yeah, I mean, Columbus, they were getting blown out in the first period. And uh, now we're about 2.45 left on the clock. They have a chance to win game one in Columbus. Reed Wilkins checking in tonight inside Sports at 6.30. Chet, if you missed it earlier, a couple of guys on the Oilers farm team named to the American Hockey League all-rookie team, goaltender Shane Sterrett and Tyler Benson, second-round draft pick from 2016. Leads the AHL, or pardon me, fourth in the AHL with 49 assists, most by a rookie in the American League since 2009. And uh, he leads the Condors in scoring, 21 years old, and of course from right here in Edmonton. So I think he's one guy to keep an eye on to probably be an Oiler. I don't know if uh, this, this season coming up, but I would think the next season. you got to have him penciled into the lineup for sure. All right. Again, I got to read this one again. The pizza delivery guy, my master's dinner, Domino's pizza, chicken wings, and lava crunch cakes for dessert. Pizza delivery guy thinking big (laughs) when it comes to his master's dinner. Uh, this texture says, can you touch on the disconnect between Hitchcock and Oscar? Oscar has a definite dislike for Hitch. Any idea why? Can you explain that? Like, has Oscar Clefbaum told you he dislikes Hitch? Like, what, what, what makes you say that? Do I think Hitch is hard to play for? Yes. Uh, I mean, Hitch mi- or Oscar missed almost half the games Hitch coached. So uh, I'm not sure what you're seeing there that lets you think there's a disconnect. Well, this is going to be fun. Welcome back to Inside Sports from your Edmonton Eskimos, Calvin McCarty. Calvin, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing, Reed? I am doing very well. It is nice to talk to you again. A busy week for you. Where have you been so far this week? Uh, we were actually in uh, Lloyd Minster and Wainwright the past couple of days. And where were you today? Uh, today I wasn't I wasn't on the the crew today, but I'm not exactly sure where they went. Okay, I think they might have been cameras today. So you yeah, guys are splitting up the. And I think Red Deer tomorrow. Okay, so you're splitting up the traveling a little bit. So this is yeah. cool. You guys you guys do some stuff in other communities here in the off season. Uh, just tell me a little bit of what you're doing when you're out in these communities, Calvin. I mean, we're uh, we're obviously out there, you know, teaching them the the basics and fundamentals of football, but. You know, leadership and teamwork, and you know about being uh, about being the best person that they can be, and showing them, you know, getting a, getting a chance to interact with them and and play different games is it's uh, it's uh, it, it feels pretty good. And we've made a couple stops by Tim Hortons there and dropped off some free gift cards to people in the lineups, and and yeah, got a chance to shake a lot of hands. Didn't kiss too many babies, but it's uh. <laughs> It's, uh, it's it's pretty fun to get out there and see the our extended fans that you know that we don't always get to see here in Edmonton. Good stuff. Well, that's fun. Yeah, and uh, Red Deer coming up as well. I think that is on fr- uh, yeah Friday, April twelfth. Some of you guys will be in Red Deer at the Collicut Center soccer pitch starting at nine thirty in the morning. So you do you do some of the flag football and stuff. Now, do you do you go do you go deep into the playbook or do you keep it pretty simple? We want them to play fast, so you know. 
We got to get them out there. We keep it fundamentals and hey, run 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 the the drills fast and they the playbook playbooks aren't too complicated yet, but I'm sure there's a eventually they they'll they'll definitely get a point where we can definitely roll out some playbooks for them. Kelvin, I, I want to ask about you. You turned 34 in November. Uh, you were drafted in 2007. You, uh, you, you keep rolling out of the backfield, whether you line up as a halfback or fullback. Sometimes you run out and, and, and catch the odd pass. I, I mean, how's, how's the body feeling? You've been going a long time. You, you don't play one of the glamour positions. How's the body getting ready for another season here? The body the body feels pretty good, Reed. You know, it's, uh, I've been blessed and lucky to obviously be able to play for, you know, a great town and and be able to play a game that I love. And it's just, uh, it's still fun, exciting, and still learn new stuff every day. And there's different, all kinds of different ways and techniques and different things to get better. So the mind has definitely grown over the years, but that, that uh, like I said earlier, you know, that helps in playing, uh, playing fast and executing faster. So, um I'm ready for this upcoming season. I'm excited. I'm excited with some of the moves that we made, and you know, I know we got to get in there, and it's a it's a project. And nobody's ready to win the Great Cup the first few days of training camp or week six or week eleven, but we just got to build and work in the right direction. I like the pieces that we have. Well, I got to ask you about that. The free agency day was 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 crazy. There's never been a CFL free agency day like it. I don't know if there's ever going to be another one. Mike went to BC, which I think we we kind of saw coming as in the lead up to free agency. But you guys bring in Harris and Ellingson and and Rogers on offense and three new linebackers. What was it like for you watching all that unfold as mm-hmm. as a guy who's going to be you know who lost a couple of teammates but gained a whole bunch as well? I mean, it's it's just the CFL. You know, I remember when I first came in and I'd see a bunch of guys out there, older veterans, shaking hands with everybody from other teams that they knew, coaches, players. And, you know, the first couple of years, I didn't really see that much turnover. But obviously now I, I see I see the effect it has. And, and I've had a chance to sit back and, I, you know, you know, you know, it's never going to be 100 percent the same. So it's tough to lose guys like J.C., you know, leadership, Mike and uh but uh, I feel like that's always been the story here in Edmonton was, you know, it was never rebuilt. It's, it's been reloaded. And I think I'm excited with the pieces we have on defense, too, even playing against them and the respect I have for those guys. I, I, I rate them at the top in their position. So uh, talking about our linebackers, that we, that, the both of the Hamilton guys. Well, Not yeah, I want to ask you about Larry Dean because I had Almondel Sewell in studio last week for half an hour, and I said, which guy are you most excited about having on your team? And, and Calvin, you know, I, I know interviewing players sometimes, they'll play it politically correct and they love everybody <laughs> equally, but Almondo right. just said Larry Dean. It, it's Larry Dean he's most excited about. What no makes Larry Dean so great? Give me a report from what you see at field, field level. Uh, he's versatile. You know, he's, uh, he can play the run pretty strong, pretty stout in there, and he's a smart player. He's never really out of position. Sometimes you don't always make the play, but just being in position helps somebody else make the play, too, so when the, the plays are run away from him, he, he's smart, and plays run at him, he's physical. So, And I've seen him get fiery out there, and I feel like he's a he's a guy that leads by example, and at the end of the day, that's you know, if you know a guy that's going out there and putting it on the line, it's, it's easy to follow guys like that, and like I said, we we lost a big leader in JC, but I also feel like we have a, a great athlete 
All right. Uh, Riley left, very popular player, obviously, you know, MOP of the Grey Cup a few year, years ago, MOP of the league a couple of years ago, beloved by his teammates and, and by the fans here in Edmonton. He's, he's gone. What do you expect from Trevor Harris? What is his uh, skill set that's going to make him a great quarterback? I mean, you know, I've, I've had a chance to see him up close. He's smart, obviously. He's, he's been in a system similar to ours, and I know he's hungry. You know, I've I've only been to one great cup. I can't imagine what it feels like to, to lose one, but I know he's hungry to, to lead a team and to, to, you know, hoist that great cup up himself at the same time. But no knock around about not having one that you, you know, personally lead as a quarterback. But I know because Mike came in in the same situation. Lule won the great cup. He was kind of a backed up guy, and, you know, but to have an opportunity to go down to Calgary from Edmonton and, and and potentially win a great cup, that's got to motivate him. So I haven't had a chance to talk to him, but that's really, you know, it's, it's, it's playoffs. I mean, playoffs are always the goal, but in this city, it's about the great cup. So, and, and we're not here to rebuild, we're reloading. And I'm, I'm excited to, to be back there to play with him. Kelvin, it's always great to have you on the show. Uh, what are we looking at? May 16th for, uh, for, no, May 19th for the start of training camp. So I know you're already gearing up for that. Good for you for getting out to some of the other communities with your teammates and uh, meeting fans and meeting young players out there as well. That's really cool. Always awesome right. to have you on Inside Sports, Kelvin. All right. Thank you, Reed. That is Kelvin McCarty from your Edmonton Eskimos checking in tonight. And as we're doing that interview, Columbus does indeed win it game one in Tampa, 4-3 the final. The Lightning led 3-0 after the first period. The Blue Jackets come back to win. First time all season, the Lightning had a three-goal lead at any point in the game and lost. Esk fan Glennie texting in. He says, uh, hi, Reed and Calvin. As a season ticket holder for over 20 years, this is the most excited I've been for an upcoming season in at least 10 years. Well, Calvin McCarty, uh, he's a good guy to talk to. Uh... This texture's uh, master's meal, steak, bean salad, Caesar salad, Greek salad with horseradish that makes you sweat and cry. That's pretty good. <laughs> Take that, master's champions. I'm going to make you sweat and cry. Very special guest from Jasper Place High School when we get back. Good to have you tuning in tonight. Oil Kings leading Calgary 2-0 after the first period as they go for the series sweep. Well, I'm really looking forward to meeting this young man. Please welcome to Inside Sports from Jasper Place High School, Ben Cricky. Ben, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for making time for me tonight. You've had an eventful last few days. Uh, you're, you're in grade 12? Uh, yep. In grade, grade 12 at Jasper Place. Grade 12 at Jasper Place. How did your How did your hoop season go? Uh, it was great. Yeah, um, we ended up winning the city championship and then uh, went on to win the provincial championship as well. Who would you beat in the provincial final? Uh, Bishop McNally from Calgary. And how did that game play out? Uh, we, we ended up winning by 20, I believe. It was a close game in the first quarter, and then we just kind of pulled together and uh, played as a team and then uh, ended up blowing it open a little bit. Yeah, well, 20 points is pretty comfortable for a championship game, so good for you guys. Did you guys lose any games this year? Sorry? Did you lose any games this year? 
Uh, we lost a couple games at out-of-province tournaments. Uh, I think it was two in California, uh, one in Kelowna, and uh, actually one at our own tournament against a team from Ontario. Oh, wow. So you didn't lose to any Edmonton schools, eh? Nope. Okay. You must have enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was good coming off of uh, last year. We didn't win too many games. It wasn't the way we wanted to play out, but this season was definitely a good bounce-back year. You know, Ben, I, of, I often ask uh, people this when I'm talking about high school sports because I, I didn't grow up in Edmonton. I grew up in a small town called Evansburg, so I, I played for the one and only high school in the town, uh, so you didn't have those inter-city rivalries. Who's Jasper Place's biggest rival in basketball right now? Um, I'd say Harry Ainley. We've had some good games against them in the last couple of years and uh, played them in the city final this year and have had some good games throughout the years. You know, it seems a lot of other schools consider Ainley their rival because they're usually good at most sports, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're kind of the team to aim for, I guess. So they've had a good reputation. Ben, what position do you play? Uh, I play a three, so kind of small forward. How tall are you? Uh, six, eight. Six, eight. Okay. Uh, how long have you been playing hoops? Um, I started playing at my dad's basketball camp when I was five. Oh, so your dad's a coach? Yeah, he's a coach uh, at my junior high, Metalar Christian, and uh, he's been running a basketball camp for 20 years, I think, now. Okay, awesome. So you, you came through it mostly through your dad, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you've been playing basketball for a long time. Uh, a lot of exciting stuff has happened for you recently. Tell us what uh, school you've committed to and uh, what it was like being recruited. Yeah, I uh, recently committed to Valparaiso, uh, University of Valparaiso in uh, Indiana. Um, it, was a, it was a good experience, a little bit nerve-wracking, kind of the whole recruit, the recruiting process, I guess. Uh, getting called by a bunch of schools and just trying to make the best decision possible. Uh, and I, uh, schools on both sides of the border, I'm going to assume. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of Canadian schools and then a few American schools, too. Okay. Tell me what went into that decision. I mean, look, NCAA basketball has all that excitement around it. Uh, Valpo has been a Cinderella team at least once or twice in the tournament, I, I want to say, so they got a bit of a, a history there. But, you know, you're also leaving home and, and uh, you know, leaving some family and friends behind, I assume. So how did you weigh all that in making your decision? Yeah, um, well, I kind of wanted to just try American basketball and see what it's all about and uh, hopefully... Uh, see where that can lead after it's all said and done. Um, and I thought it was just important to kind of go out and make make a name for, for myself or at least try, just kind of go on my own adventure and, and see what America has to offer. All right. And do you ex- did you have any, I guess you maybe don't you know yet, like, do you have any expectations about how you're going to be used as a freshman? Um, I'm not coming with too, too high of expectations. Um, I just want to work hard and see where I fit in and hopefully help the team get wins. Okay. And then was it just last night we had this uh, all-star showcase? Yeah, that was last night at Amy. Okay, and uh, I got the score here. Uh, the game you played in was 164 to 113 in true all-star game fashion. Yeah. <laughs> Defense optional. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. You set a new record for the game with 37 points. You were the MVP. But here's what I'm interested in, Ben. You were the slam dunk contest champion. So how did the dunk contest work? How many times did you get to dunk? Uh, I had three dunks. Just happened at halftime as a little entertainment for, for half, I guess. So. And did you nail all three? 
Um, yeah, I didn't think they were that nice, but I guess they got the job done. So, yeah. Now, when was the first time you ever dunked? Um, I think grade, end of grade seven, I think. And how tall were you then? Uh, just under six feet, I think 5'10", maybe. Oh, wow. So you're a good leaper, too, then. Yeah, I consider myself to be an athlete. I don't know if uh, too many others see that. but <laughs> Ben, i got to quickly tell you this story. Patrick, you might have been working that night. It was a couple of years ago on this show, and for some reason I started talking about dunking. And that's something a lot of average men or women who play the odd sport might say it would be cool to dunk but most of us can't do it. And people started writing in, like, the one time they dunked or they tried. And this one guy wrote in that in high school basketball, like, I think he said he dunked a couple times in practice, like, just barely, and he got a breakaway in a game. And he went and he tried to dunk, and he jammed himself on the bottom of the rim. Like, he didn't get the oh. ball up high <laughs> enough, and he fell down. And I, I was almost crying reading this story. Yeah. So you can do something a lot of people wish they could, only wish they could do. Yeah, it's, it's definitely fun, but you gotta have got to have a combination of coordination and athleticism. So, Okay, uh, what was the fastest dunk you did? Like, did you do any windmill, reverse, anything like that? Um, I don't really know how to explain it, but I kind of I kind of palm the ball and then kind of just scoop it under. It's kind of like sort of like a windmill. It's kind of like a three sixty a little bit. So, all right. So what's uh, what's next for you? Are you are you doing any provincial stuff this summer, or what's going to happen ahead here, Ben? Um, in June, I'm going to go out to Toronto and try out for the uh, U19 national team. Okay, have you been on a national team before? Yeah, I played uh, summer 2017. I played with the under 16 team, and then this past summer, I played with the under 17 team. All right, and uh, when did you play in the BioSteel All Canadian Game? Was that last summer? That was uh, March 31st. Oh, that just happened too. Mm-hmm. Whoa, wow. Okay. You've been incredibly busy, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. What was it like going up against some of the other top grade 12s in the country? Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. It was a good experience. Um, obviously, Ontario is kind of known for having their athletes and their and their bigger bodies. So it's definitely an adjustment, but uh, I, think, I think I adjusted well. So when you score, what type of a score are you? Do you do you get inside? Do you hit more mid or long grade shots? Tell me about that. Um, I I consider myself kind of an inside out guy. I kind of give what the or take what the defense gives me. So I've worked a lot on my outside shot in the last few years. So I can definitely score from the outside and then uh, post up if there's a smaller guy defending me. Okay, what uh, who's a, who's a professional athlete or two in any sport that you look up to? Um, recently, I've really liked Kawhi Leonard uh, on the Toronto Raptors. I started following him back in 2014 when he was with the Spurs. And uh, I just really admire his ability on offense and then his uh, ability to get down and play some defense, too. Right. Well, hopefully he's back for uh, for another playoff start this weekend, don't they, for NBA? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right on. Well, Ben, it's great to talk to you. I, I have a feeling this isn't going to be the last time you're on Inside Sports because you're you're off to uh, play in the NCAA. But congratulations on... So, okay, I just want to get this straight. In the last uh, 12 days, played in the All-Canadian game, committed to an NCAA school, and uh, scored 37 points and won the dunk contest in the Basketball Alberta Showcase. That's yeah. your last week and a half. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, keep going, man. That's incredible. (laughs)
Thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. That is Ben Cricky checking in from Jasper Place High School. Patrick, uh, just in case you needed a reminder that you and I are underachievers. (laughs) I don't think I ever came close to dunking a basketball. Uh, No, nor have I. I've dunked a golf ball. (laughs) On a seven-foot net. I'm not not allowed back on that course either. (laughs) (laughs) Just just angrily threw it in the hole. Well, that was great to have Ben on the show from Jasper Place. Uh, Ben Cricky, all the best to him. Final update of the scoreboard. Blue Jackets beat the Lightning 4-3. Islanders and Penguins are tied 2-2 with 10 minutes left. Jets lead the Blues 1-0 after 2. Stars and Predators scoreless 9 minutes in. Golden Knights and Sharks coming up later. Oil Kings lead Calgary 2-0 at the start of the second period. PA up 1-0 on Saskatoon after the first period. Tomorrow... We have the show live from the Allen Cup in Lacombe. We'll be there for quarterfinal action. That's going to be fun. The producer of Inside Sports is Dave Campbell. Studio producer, Patrick Bauer. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.